uh, God begin to really show me what Paul is saying. Romans 12, verses 3 to 20 is almost like a book of James. It's almost like Proverbs. It's a statement after a statement of proverbial wisdom. But what it all adds up to, if you will, is this whole sense of you among others. We have a problem in our society to where we are so isolated and insulated from others, and it has invaded the church. We all drive from different neighborhoods and different areas. We come and sit in our seat, and we might pray if I make you pray with someone, and we might talk to someone, but then we all get in our individual cars and go home. And what Paul is really talking about, and I I would ask, could you say this with me? You among others... Say it again. Now put me. Me among others. This is the kingdom of God. We're coming right off of that statement where he said, we need to have our mind renovated. Remember? Renewed. uh, For all of you that are into HGTV, renovated. Right? They put in new countertops, new cupboards. new. We need that. And so God wants to renovate our mind. And what Paul's talking about is that renovation... That new way of thinking is kingdom mentality, not the patterns of this world. And here he's putting some feet on it. What he's talking about is how you are among others. This is kingdom. And this is foreign to us, brothers and sisters. It really is. So I want you to consider this. Uh, Just a few examples. Uh, How many of you see people like in their own world? This drives me crazy. When you go to the grocery store, you'll usually see me there on Mondays. Uh, used to be Myers, now it's Walmart. But anyways, so you're going down through the aisles, and as you're walking down the aisle, somebody just stops to look, to look at their list, to think of their... They're completely oblivious to everyone else trying to get around them. Has anybody experienced this? Does this drive you crazy? Have you ever been in places where you're walking and people just stop? not even considering that there are people all around there. And they're not being rude or inconsiderate. They're just not aware that they're among other people. They're so oblivious to that. You may be doing this yourself. Uh, uh, We all tend to do it. How many of you seen this going on? Huh? Have you seen people driving who are oblivious to the road? That's scary. But this is where we're at in a society, and this is where we're at in the church. We're not moving among people. We are individual isolating ourselves. We are, we're closed in, and I'm, I'm afraid for our kids. We have got to teach them kingdom. We've got to renovate their mind to kingdom because they've either got iPads, iPhones, something, you know. I mean, every gateway to the outside world is shut in, Right? And so, so our gateways to the outside world have got to be opened. How is the Holy Spirit going to tell you, go pray for that person? When you walked by him, you didn't see him, you didn't hear him. Right? And so we're so isolated and insulated that what Paul is going to tell us in this portion of Scripture is, is going to be amazing, true Christianity of, of us among people. It's got to be demonstrated right? How many of you are self-aware? Self-aware. Aware of who you are. And aware of where you are in life. Aware of what's going on around you. Not just the activities, but self-aware of 
do you know how you come off to other people? Do you see what I mean? Are you self-aware of how you sound when you speak to people? I've been unaware sometimes when my wife says, hey, Tim, and I go, what? She goes, whoa, what's up with you? Oh, did I? Did that sound bad? Did that come out of me? I didn't realize. I was unaware that I was agitated with what I'm doing that I cast it over to her. Has anybody experienced that? That's being unaware. Are, are you unaware of your surrounding and yourself? And so we need to evaluate. Sometimes we need to look into our lives so that we are aware of what's going on around us, aware of what God's saying. We are so self-consumed that we have blind spots and we don't recognize that we are not aware. Now imagine being kingdom aware. Are you kingdom aware of what God is doing in our midst today, now, and around us? And are you people aware? So being self-aware, we need to look into the Word of God. James tells us that the Word of God is just like a mirror. And that when you look into that Word of God, you have FaceTime with God. Now, how many of you know what FaceTime is, right? How many of you want to Skype with God? How many of you want to blog with God? How many of you want to spend time with God? Get into His Word, all right? And anyone, listen to what James says in chapter 1, 23 to 25. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. They're not self-aware. They're not looking and concerned as to the awareness of what's going on right now in their heart. That's why we come here together so that we become God-aware self-aware and people aware of what's going on he says but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this not forgetting what he's heard but doing it he will be blessed in what he does that's god awareness how many of you find yourselves being like robots how many of you have driven your car and you wondered how you got to where you were you're just so unaware you're just thinking and this and that or you're texting Oh, no, no. Just, right, even walking and stuff, being so, uh, and you pass by where you go, we need as a people, as a people, and now I'm using everyday illustrations, but what I'm saying is for the kingdom of God, the church for the last number of years has not been aware of what God wants to do. We've been self-consumed with our activities and unawares of what God wants. And we're going to get into this text of what Paul is saying, how aware we must be. Can I tell you a story? I have told this story so often, I'm going to tell it again. Because it's a perfect example. God had me do it just for you. But it's a situation of looking into a mirror and being self-aware of your condition and walking away and doing nothing about it. It's a time when I was working at General Motors. I was in a small studio called the Sculpture Studio, and I had a boss and then a co-worker. It was just three of us. And so three guys, we'd goof around a lot. Came back from lunch, my boss came back, and uh, he went right back into the workroom. We hear the saws going and the hammer going and the boom, 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 pounding, clicking. And we're going, what, what's he doing? So we just keep working. He comes out and he built a little pig's trough. And he put it on the table in the center of our studio, and he brought out cheese popcorn. And he poured it in the pig's trough, and he went, suey, 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 suey. So like good employees, we all got up and went... <laughs> And we ran over to the pig trough and we went um, 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 smashing our face in it, eating it like this. And we, ah, everybody's laughing. It's hilarious. That's silly. 
And then we went back to work, and it was late. And uh, we got a call from one of our, the studios, the Cadillac studio, called and said, we've got a car, a, a, a car up here that we need to pull a plaster mold off of. I said, you know what, I'll do it. Uh, uh, I'll stay and do it. So uh, they went home, and I went upstairs. And when I was up there doing, working on this Cadillac, I went into the studio, and I saw some people I knew. And so when I went over to the people, I said, how you doing? What's going on? And they said, oh, okay, everything's fine. And then they backed away and walked away. And so I figured, well, they got work to do. I'm going to do some work. So I got the plaster ready. I put it on the, the clay of the car to get this mold. And a person walked by, an engineer, getting numbers. And I said, hey, how you doing? How's things up in this studio? And they fine. I thought, wow, these Cadillac people are snooty. <laughs> Maybe you've got to be snooty to work in the Cadillac studio. No one would sit and talk with me, and no one would spend some time. I thought, I'm just getting out of here. These people are rude. So I, the plaster dried. I was able to pull it off. I went down into the studio. Everybody had gone. So it was time for me to go. I got my keys, got my coat, went out to my car, sat in the car, turned the ignition key, looked in the mirror, and this is what I look like. I had cheese popcorn all over my face. And every face that looked at me in the Cadillac studio flashed back in my mind. And I thought, I can't go into that studio for years. They must think I'm such a slob. But I was so unaware of my surrounding. I was so unaware of how it was impacting other people. And I was so unaware that if I would have looked in a mirror, I could have cleaned myself up. But I I have to ask myself with the church, how aware are we? Do we have the world's popcorn? Do we have muck all over our faces when we're not looking into the mirror of God's word to clean our act up so that people would really see the true Jesus? And they're seeing the foolishness that we have. And so that's what Paul wants to get at. That's what Paul's saying. So he's talking about awareness. From verses 3 to 20, he's talking about Christianity that is fully aware, fully awake, fully alive, and fully aware. There's three areas of awareness. Number one, a self-awareness. The people of God need to be aware of their flesh. Now, we teach this in this church to teach you to know what are your flesh triggers. What's the difference between your spirit man and your flesh? And that's what the book of Romans has been about as we've been studying, hasn't it? That you've been taken out of Adam, but you still have a flesh to contend with. So what are your flesh triggers? What are the things of the flesh? Your anger, the fruit of the flesh, right? Strife, envy, all these different things. We have to be aware of them. Are you aware of them? Are you wondering why you keep getting in arguments with other people? Why you can't keep friends and stuff? Do an evaluation. Get aware of your situation, of what you're portraying. Does this make sense to you? Issues of the flesh, issues of sin. We as a people have to be repentant before God. We have to have an awareness of our sin. We don't want to preach sin anymore. We don't want anybody to have their feelings hurt. We want them to feel good. But if you're unaware of your sin, you're not pleasing your Father. Has anybody ever done something to you that you said, could you please stop doing that? And they go, why? Well, it annoys the heck out of me. It's driving me crazy. I didn't know that. 
I didn't tell them. You know what? There are things we're doing that are annoying God like crazy. It's like, seriously, because we're not aware. God wants to speak to you and speak to these issues. What about our abilities? You need to learn what you're good at, what you're not good at. How many of you watch American Idol? There's a lot of people who think they're good singers. And thank God for Simon. Now he's gone, but Simon would let him know. You stink. You're not good. And I remember watching an interview with him, and he, they said, why are you so mean? He said, I'm not mean. I'm speaking truth. He said, these people are so deluded, and everybody in their family and around them thinks they're so great and doesn't want to hurt their feelings. He said, I'm willing to tell them the truth. Right? Have you seen people like that? Right? We need to be aware of our abilities and inabilities. Sometimes it hurts, but we need to hear this. And the Holy Spirit many times will begin to show that. That's so you know which direction to go in. Do you know that most of you chose a career to go in because that's where you got praise? We all go after praise. Well, if you're not good at one thing, you typically don't pursue it unless you're totally unaware of how bad you are. But usually we go towards something because someone said, oh, you did a good job. Oh, did I? And we follow after that. We usually follow. That's why you'll find some people in, in bad relationships because they've just been told over and over, hey, baby, I love you. I love this, this, is this. They've gotten praise and they go to it. Right? Isn't it funny? Mirrors. Mirrors are funny things. They tell the truth. But if you're so self-deluded, you won't see the truth. Do you know what well, most men go to a mirror and when they look in the mirror, you know what they see? Oh, I look pretty good. Yeah. Men are so deluded, they don't see the reality. They think they look good. When women go in front of the mirror, they're like, oh, oh, I'm so fat. And there's a, right? There's this huge dichotomy. Men, you need to really look in the mirror and recognize you need to start exercising or something. And ladies, it's not that bad. You think it is, you don't look that bad. Right? There's, there's, a, there's two ex, ex, extremes. But we have to understand ourselves. You need to find your identity. And that's why last week when we saw this, that a renovated mind is one who knows who they are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. So it's an awareness of who you are. Now, how about a God awareness? Do you have a God awareness, a spirit awareness? Do you understand what your spiritual gifts are so that you can move towards those gifts? Spirit awareness, it'll help who you are and your identity. A gifting awareness, a calling. God's called you. Do you know who you are? You're a child of the king. You're a a priest. You're a prophet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, And you can pray and call forth the will of God. You can hear God's voice. You have an identity as a son of God. And you are of the kingdom of God. Uh, so you need to be aware, aware. See, that's the word I'm going to keep pulling over and over. We're, we're too unaware. We've been hearing a droning in the earth for so long. We got used to follow that droning, and it's the principalities of the power of the air, of the drone that we've all walked to. Have you ever heard a beat so often that you all just kind of walk and move towards it? And it's the enemy that is doing this droning, and God's saying, be aware, wake up! Get aware of what's going on in the Spirit. Now, are we aware of people? Sometimes we're so busy trying to hear the voice of God and so consumed with ourselves, we're not reaching people. 
Have you considered how other people see you? I, every now and then I, I have to ask, am I doing things right? I ask people around me. I need people around me who will be honest. And I'll go to them, you know what? Did I say something wrong? Did I do this wrong? This happened this way and I said that. What do you think? And I'll have people, I try to keep people around me who are not yes men or yes women, but people and wives are good at this. They'll let you know exactly what you did wrong. Boy, you missed it on that one. (laughs) I thank God for that, truly, because I need to know how I'm coming off to other people. How many of you know that, right? You need trusted friends who will say, well, no, it doesn't really look that good on you. Right? Cheese popcorn doesn't work. But how do you see others? How do you see others? Are you aware that there are people hurting around you? Are you aware of the needs right around you? You'd be amazed at the stories right within your pew. Just look down your pew. Both sides, some of you. Look down. There's a story in, in every one of these people. You'd be amazed at what they've been through. It's, it's amazing. I know some of your stories. It's amazing what you've been through, what you're going through. Wow. But m- most of us don't even know that about each other because we've been seeking just for ourselves. Okay, so it's an awareness. And, and that's what I'm getting at and this, so that I can set up Romans for you. So let's go there right now. Uh, also, let's be aware. Be aware, Peter says. Be aware or be alert. There's an enemy too. And I, ha- I believe more than ever, this is the hour you have to be aware of an enemy. And that comes in the spirit realm, it comes with other people, and it comes with yourself. So these things interact, don't they? They interact in our lives. And it's a, it's a realm of awareness. We must become more aware. I believe the church is in a day when we are going to start living Romans 12, 3 through 20, and awareness. I believe that this is the anointing coming. I know there have been anointings for signs and wonders. Those will happen. Those, I believe, will be secondary to this awareness that's coming in the kingdom of God. It is such an awareness of being in the presence of the Father. Jesus did everything because he saw his Father doing it. You know what that meant? His eye was on the Father always. No matter where he went, he saw Father in the middle of it. So aware. He'd come up to a group of people and he knew what they were thinking. He was so aware of them. And he was so aware of his calling, his gifting. He says, I know where I am going. I know what I must do. So I believe that anointing of awareness is coming to us. And that's what I'm excited about. And so you among others is the key to this thing. So let's go to Romans 12. Let's start at verse 3. And and let's just read through this. Okay, starting at verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. All right? So right there is self-awareness, isn't it? He said, don't think of yourself more highly. So there's a humility that we're to have. There's an awareness that we're always to have that we have been sinners saved by grace. And it is not by my effort, but it is by God and His grace by which we stand. Don't think more highly of yourself. And don't think you've gotten further in your Christian faith than someone else, so you're better. It's but by the grace of God, you're still standing. Right? And, and so don't think more highly of yourself. 
So there's a humility. But I love how he qualifies this, and he says, more highly than you ought to. There's an ought to level two. Because I know a lot of people who would stay in the dirt. But there's an ought to. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. There's a level of an ought to that you should have. In other words, that I am not just junk, and I am not just a worm in dirt, but my God spilled his blood for me and bought me with the highest price, and I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I have been redeemed, and I have value because I've become the apple of his eye. Do you see what I mean? So there's a place where the people of God have to walk in. You walk in authority, you walk in who you are, because the devil will get you if you don't. He'll, you're in his playground if you're, if you're constantly just uh, no good recognize the righteousness that is your gift in salvation. There's your ought to, but don't think more highly of yourself. So there's a humility that we walk in like Jesus. And as we walk in that humility, we recognize that he's given us faith. And so we go on in verse 4. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we all We who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So that's important to recognize that uh, there's an ought to place that you're saved at, and you shouldn't be more highly, because you're part of a corporate body. Remember that we are all valuable to God, and that it is essential that we all come together, because you have gifts I don't. And that we need each other. And God designed it specifically for, for some to have gifts and some not to have that gift, but they have another gift so that we can't do this without each other. You must be aware of the Lord's body. In 1 Corinthians 11, when Paul is instructing them about the Lord's table, he says, you must discern the Lord's body. Now, he's not only talking about discerning the body that has been crucified on the cross for your healing, so discern it, but he's also talking about forgiving one another and discerning that you are part. The flow of the Holy Spirit can move because the body is in unity. You with me on this? All right, so it's an awareness. You've got self-awareness in verse 3. You've got body or congregational awareness of the people of God. And I'll tell you what, the church is not aware enough of what the body of Christ can do together. We've not caught that. We caught it about a year ago with each. But it was like pulling teeth to get people to come together. That was a little glimpse of what God wants to do, but we have too many stubborn people who will not cooperate and come together. They're still shaving issues over, you're Lutheran, I'm Methodist, you're Baptist, I'm Pentecostal. It's It's crazy. And it's in the leadership. And God's going to do something about that. Because that's what he's talking about. He's saying, you know, when when this thing comes, nobody's going to ask for any credentials. (laughs) Well, I'm a doctor. Well, I'm a pastor. Well, I'm an evangelist. It's like, "Mm, so? Respect for position, but that's not the issue. The body's going to come together. All right, let's keep going here. And so it's an awareness of the body of Christ. Now he says in verse uh, 6, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. All right? Now, so we're talking about spiritual gifts. 
What are gifts given for? 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 tells us why are there spiritual gifts? To edify the body. So we all have spiritual gifts so that we would become aware and dependent on the body. But we operate in those gifts according to our what? Faith, our measure of faith. So you have to have an awareness of your faith level. We're back to being self-aware. Where are you at in your faith? Have you exercised your faith enough? Have you challenged your faith? Have you taken inventory of what you're believing? Now, some of you have a gift of prophecy. You said prophecy. Can I tell you that I would have to ask you to have more faith so that we can have different prophecies, deeper prophecies, different levels from the Word? Some of you are on the healing team. I challenge your faith. You've learned the prayers and you've learned what the Bible said and you've learned from other people. Now, learn from God. Challenge your faith to pray in new dimensions according to your faith. See, now you have to become alert and aware of what's going on in me. I'll I'll take it in all directions. Those of you who give, right? You give gifts of finance to the church. Could I challenge you that many of you are not giving by faith? You're giving out of what you can afford. Because you have managed your accounting that way. That's not faith. So you're not operating in proportion to faith. Do you see what I'm saying? Become self-aware of your faith. Challenge yourself today. I've done this and it, it, it'll he'll knock you down. I was bold enough to say one day, it's a great testimony, I'll tell it to you one day, but I was bold enough to go to work one day and I said, God, test me. But you know what? He challenged my faith. And when I fell flat on my face, I recognized when I said that and it changed the course of my decisions. And I, and I got up with faith and I altered what I had just fallen at. So, so what I'm saying is challenge your faith, an awareness of your faith. So he says, use your spiritual gifts. That is for the body. Be aware of the people and what they need. But you do it by an awareness of your level of faith of where you're at. Can I challenge you in that? All right, he goes on, he says, if it is serving, let him serve. Well, who do you serve? The body, other people. There's an awareness of others. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouragement, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. All by your discerning of faith, your awareness of your faith. But if you're going to be cheerful, if you're going to give, then be cheerful. You see the attitudes here? They're the attitudes of Jesus, right? And so there's an awareness. If you're serving, let them serve. If it's teaching, let them teach. Encouraging, let them encourage. But he goes on, he says, give, well then do it generously. If it's governing, do it diligently. That's an awareness of whether you're doing it diligently enough. Do you see what I mean? It's not good enough that you're doing it. Is anybody with me on this? You see what I'm saying? This constant sense of awareness of what is God saying to me? How am I performing? How am I doing? If you're going to show compassion... Compassion, do it with gentleness. Do it with love. You see, so everything is qualified in what you're doing as an awareness to others. You have to be in an awareness of yourself. Are you, you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so that's what he's talking. A self-aware 
God-aware, people-aware congregation. He goes on to say this. Oh, I like this. All right. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. So now he's talking about your own spirit. Be devoted to one another. And then I love this. He says, in brotherly love, honor one another above yourself. These are powerful words. Devoted to one another. Brothers and sisters, you and I are to be devoted to the household of faith. Not just to your friends. Not just to your friends. We have got to be devoted to our brothers and sisters who are in the faith. We may not agree with them. You don't have to demonize them. Can we stop doing that? When we have a disagreement with a brother or a sister or we don't like their theology or we don't like their doctrine, we begin to tell them that, they, that they're, they're deceived and that they're this or that they're that. Can we stop doing that? Let's stop demonizing people and just say you don't get along with them or you don't agree with them. But God loves them. Honor them. Honor is a lost word. Respect. We've lost honor in this nation for officials. Right? And, and it, you used to give honor to policemen. You used to give honor to firemen. You used to give honor to people who had title and office. But there's been so much sin and fallenness, we don't honor any of them. There's got to be respect and honor brought back. He goes on and he says, Honor one another above yourselves. What does that take? Self-awareness. Because I'm supposed to honor you as someone more important than me. Isn't that what that says? I need to consider you, you are much more important than me. And so I should never treat people as slaves or servants or uh, I don't want to bother with you. I don't need to deal with you. Uh, I don't like you. That is not Christian. That is not Jesus. And I am to honor and respect people more highly than I do myself. Wow, could you imagine if we began to honor others in such a way? Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. I love you. You know, just an amazing, an amazing thing. That's awareness. Do you see what I mean? I'm hoping that this is stirring up how unaware we are and how we treat other people. Right? Uh, I, I, it's funny, sometimes I, 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 was, I eat with this person and when they pray, when we pray for our food, they always say, bless the hands that prepared it. And I think to myself, they don't even know who they're praying for. Some guy back here at Wendy's. Right? And I'm thinking, wow. He just called a blessing upon that cook. Now whether he felt it while he was flipping that last burger glory to God I don't know but it's an attitude it's a mindset of honor and treating others with a level of respect brothers and sisters that's an awareness come on now we have disagreements with the homosexual agenda but can you honor someone else can you can you speak to someone else that may be homosexual and and not be offensive to them but to say, God bless you, 
Could you, could you honor them as a human being and not denigrate them? We don't, want the, we don't like the Islamic world agenda, but to Muslims, can we honor and, and, and give uh, respect to people? Right? Do you see what I'm saying? And so that's what Jesus would do. Now, we understand, qualify it all. I don't have to go into that. All right, let's go on. He says this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Oh, I like that as a Pentecostal. I like that. The people of God should have a zeal for God. You should have fervor. That means heat. You should have a passion for Jesus Christ. I'm not going to apologize if I lose my voice from shouting to God because He's so good. I'm not going to back off of my fervor because people think, you know, you're just a little over the top. Over the top. I'm all in. Right? And, and what happens to the people of God is we are aware of what others might think of us, but you're not aware of what God thinks of you. Keep your passion, people. Could I ignite you to even have more fervor for the Lord Jesus Christ? We're not going to get anything done if you don't have a passion and a fervor. Because you know what people do? People do what they're happy to do. And if you're not happy to serve Jesus, we're not going to get nothing done. If it's not your passion to come and worship God tonight, we're not going to worship God tonight. Does that make sense to you? Right? Keep it. I I like this verse. Never be lacking in zeal for God. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now, I know we all have ups and downs, but let's not let the flame go up. Remember Paul told Timothy, Timothy, stir up that thing. Come on, boy. Stir up that gift. Start blowing on that coal. Start stirring it up and burn it again. I know you've been hurt, but get that fire burning. Let's get some zeal going again. Now that's an awareness of who God is. You can't have zeal unless you... How many of you have prayed at, or, or you come and you're not feeling it? Right? You're not feeling it. And all of a sudden when you're there, the fire gets stoked. You begin to recognize, oh, God's been, you've been faithful to me, God. I'm tired, but you're good. You've been faithful to me. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden you stop thinking about yourself and you are aware of the presence of God. The more you're aware of the presence of God, the more zealous you will be. Amen? Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Wow. Joyful, patient, and prayerful. Oh, my goodness. Joyful is an awareness of what is yours in salvation. Patience is an awareness that God is in control. You don't have to control things. And prayer is being aware of what God is saying to you right now. Being alert. Alert. Alert to God. I'm waiting for the... This is the church that I want us to become. Anybody with me on this? Prayerful, joyful, alert, zealous... This is good stuff. Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So we are aware of people's struggles. How many of you are aware of how many people needed gas money this week? And it doesn't come for you. 
right? Some of you are, because you've heard the story, and some have asked you for gas money. Some of you are recognizing there are people around me who are in need. Some of you have no clue that there's people around you in need. And I understand, you know, you know, I understand how difficult it is. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip, but all I'm saying is this awareness of, of giving and caring for people. And there's a lot of needs in the earth. I understand that. But where you can put your hand to, do it. Be benevolent, he says, and practice hospitality. Does anybody know what hospitality is? What's hospitality? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being hospitable. Being kind to people. Listening to them. Have you ever gone out to lunch with someone and they never asked about you? The whole conversation actually didn't even need you there. (laughs) But they just keep talking and talking and talking and tell you everything about them. And and, And you leave going, they don't know nothing about me. They didn't ask me one question. That's not hospitable, is it? Hospitable is, how are you? I mean, you can follow the dialogue. I know I'm spending a little extra time, and and some of you might think, I'm going to say something that you're going to be mad at me about, but (laughs) our society has lost basic principles of social interaction. And if it was lost on you and me, oh, our kids are even worse. So, uh, we need to help relearn some really basic things about hospitality. About when you're with someone and they say, how are you? You should respond, how are you? If they ask a question about your life, think about it, think about it, think about it. After you've told them your issues, could you then say, and how are you? It's just hospitable. It's just caring. We're not spending it enough time with each other. Do you know hospitality takes time? How many of you know that? All right, so the people of God. This defines the people of God. This is the reality of Jesus in people's lives. We would love to pray for the sick, see them healed. But how about if they're not healed, you bring them soup, you pray for them, you clothe them, you read them stories, you read them the Bible, you visit them. Now where are they going to feel the presence of God. Well, it could be both. But you see what I'm saying? We want instant society. And Paul's saying, come on, be hospitable. Pray for them. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. If someone said you're in harmony with that, you're empathetic, you're moving with that, you have compassion. If they're happy, you can be happy with them too. This is a good thing. Wow, I can't believe that happened for you. Don't be jealous. Why'd you get the blessing? But rejoice. There's such an in-tuneness. There's such an alertness to the Spirit connecting between you and people. There's a people harmonization with the people of God. Do you see how the church needs this? We're so in harmony with each other. We can discern. When I look at your face, I can see, wow, what you've been through. What's going on? Because I'm rejoicing with you or I'm crying with you. I'm in harmony with you, right? And it matters. Oh, we're blessing each other. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Wow. Do you know why he said that? Because there were a mess of conceited people in that church. 
Do you know why he said to be humble? (laughs) Right? Think about it for a minute. All these commands that he's saying, do you know why he's saying them? Because that church needs it. They're no different than you and I. We think of the early churches all walking with halos about two feet off the ground. They're so holy. Hallelujah. The perfect church. If we could go back to the early church. Read the book. He's constantly telling them how to act. Do you know why? Because they didn't act that way. So it's no different. So the same power and anointing is in the Word for us today. And so we need to be so patient and caring and not be prejudiced towards others. It doesn't belong in the kingdom of God. You can't be prejudiced. Let's go on. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful uh, to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Hello. Interesting. All right? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I'm glad he prefaces that. If it's possible. It's not possible with some people. He says as best you can, but sometimes it's not up to you. You ever been in a relationship like that? I'm good. They're not. I forgive. They don't. Well, you did the best you could. You can't fix that. Be at peace. Right? Paul talks about that in certain marriages. He says you're no longer bound. If you got saved and the person you're married to who wants nothing to do with your Christianity and wants nothing to do with you anymore, they abandon you. He says, be at peace. You're no longer bound. So there are certain relationships you've got to let go. And he goes on and he says this, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Okay, so what he's saying is you stop trying to fix everything. Be at peace, be humble, be patient, walk caring for others more than yourselves. Stop trying to dole out justice and and figure out every situation. Leave room for God. And he says this, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Right? Now, I have heard this interpreted uh, basically like this. That'll really get them. You really think that's the spirit Paul's talking After all that, talking about the spirit of Jesus and Christ, and, and people said, yeah, well, if you kill him with kindness, it'll make him furious. So when your enemy comes to you, you just be nice to him so that you can really get him. Is that, is that the attitude? Because you're going to burn. That's what the Bible says. It's like pouring heaping coals on their head till it burns them. That is not what Paul means. What Paul means is in that culture, when you heap coals on their head, people at night needed a fire to stay alive. If their fire went out, they would go over to their neighbor, even if they were enemies with their neighbor, because it meant whether they're going to live or die. And they would say, could you please share your fire? Could you share your embers? And they, you would pour the coal on their head because that's where they carried the vessel and they were able to carry it back to their house and survive for the night. So you're heaping coals on. Basically, you're sharing your fire. Even with your enemy, share your fire. And I think of that spiritually. Atheists who are sick and tired of you, share your fire. Love them. Love them. 
People who are fed up with you. People who don't agree with you. People who just have been nasty to you. Share your fire. It's not your place to judge. Leave that to God. Share your fire. You got passion in your heart for Jesus? Share it. You got a love for every other, everyone else? Share your fire. And he says this at the very end concerning sharing your fire. Do not overcome by do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That statement I close with tonight, I conclude with this. What can you determine by that last statement? Evil can be overcome. Right? And what is the thing that overcomes evil? Good. Where's the good coming from? In us. It's you. It's you. God working through you. You want to change this society? You want to change this community? You want to change this country? The church is the only vehicle for good in the earth. Other people do good things. Don't get me wrong. Other people do good things. But it's the God good that's going to change things. That's going to change hearts and care for people. And love people. Share your fire.